we're uh, reading Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Mark seven twenty-four. He, Jesus, got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The challenging bit. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went back to her home, she found her child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. So I have a little Australian terrier. I wanted to pull up a photo of him, but technology beat us. He's over 15 years old. He's doing really well. Um, near the end of his life, I absolutely adore my dog. When he was a pup, he used to sleep in the crown of my hat. That's how small he was. Um, now he pretty much sleeps wherever he likes, of course, um, which is usually the couch if he can get up there, which is less often because he's old. Wherever he goes, it's preferably somewhere, somewhere with people very nearby. And you had better believe he gets the tidbits from the table. And anywhere else I can snaffle them from. So I'm a dog person. But if anyone... Thank you. If anyone... <laughs> if anyone ever called my wife a dog, I'd punch him in the nose. Or at least I'd seriously consider it. So in many cultures, I presume probably most cultures, calling someone a dog is, is an insult. And it certainly was in Jesus' day. Um, so... This is probably Jesus' most offensive or one of his most offensive sayings in the New Testament. And so what are we to make of this story? <clears throat> well, we just want to remember the context for a start. Jesus had been trying to get away for a break. If you've been tracking with our messages, it's uh, a couple of chapters since Jesus tried to get across the lake. The crowds discovered him. He feeds them, he comes back, um, he's heading somewhere, crowds find him, he's had a run-in with the Pharisees, and, uh, and finally he retreats into the neighbouring region uh, of Tyre. So Tyre is a city in modern uh, Lebanon, modern-day Lebanon. Uh, back then it was sort of part of the, the Syrian area, uh, but the region around it bordered the region of Galilee. Uh, so he goes in there trying to be inconspicuous, goes into someone's house. We know nothing about whose home it is. Um, and then a woman finds out, despite Jesus' best efforts, and she comes to Jesus with a desperate plea. Now, at this stage, Jesus has been trying to get away with his disciples for some time. You could forgive him for... Uh, the slump of the shoulders. But you can't blame the woman either. She is doing exactly what a parent is meant to do. She's going in to advocate for her daughter, who's in a terrible way. Here is someone she thinks who can help. 
Now, Mark emphasises that she is a Gentile. My translation says Gentile, yours might, or it might say Greek. Uh, So she was probably a Greek-speaking Gentile. Perhaps it means she was educated or cultured. Um, So the local dialect around there was Aramaic. Uh, She's born in that area, Syrophoenician. Um, And that has some connotations. That's sort of the Canaanite cultures back in the Old Testament days. Things have moved on a bit now, but um, she is certainly not Jewish. She's not one of God's chosen peoples. And so when she comes asking Jesus for help, uh, as the Legacy Standard Bible puts it, he says, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So we need to recognise, first of all, that Jesus was using a parable here. Um, as he often does. And Matthew's version of this parable, uh, or of this story, makes it clear what Jesus was saying, because Matthew tells us that Jesus turns to his disciples and says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Which raises the question, why doesn't he just say that to the woman? Rather than, you know, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, the parable may be insulting, but Jesus isn't just delivering an insult as such. He's actually testing her faith. Um, The word for dogs here, and this is actually why I told the story at the start. uh, The word for dogs here isn't uh, just for any old dog. It didn't refer to the strays on the street or um, the dog, the working dogs on the farm or something like that. It was actually used for the little dogs that live in the house that maybe sleep on your children's bed, the snuffle under the table when uh, you're having a meal, like my little terrier. It's not a term of derision per se. It wasn't the word you would use if you were delivering an insult. So in the previous passage, Jesus talked about what makes us clean and unclean, if you remember, uh, which was a few weeks ago, but having a run-in with the Pharisees who were all about ceremonially washing and making sure they were ritually clean before eating. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's got nothing to do with it. It's about the heart, not the external things. Um, and then he goes into a, a Gentile region, as we see here. So Jesus wasn't being racist because uh, we sort of take his saying about clean and unclean. Uh, given the way that Mark puts the flow of the stories, Jesus is sort of opening things up to the Gentiles. Um, And in fact, uh, the fact is that the little dogs that snuffle around under the table are a welcome part of the household. They're there because we welcome them to be there. And so the gospel will eventually go to the Gentiles, obviously. Most of us here are Gentiles, probably all of us. And in fact, some Gentiles had already come into Israel to receive Jesus' ministry, but it's just not time for that to happen fully yet. So Jesus says it's not right to take the children's bread. Um, They need to be fed first. They need to be satisfied. Look, however we look at it, maybe we can't get around the offensiveness of this. Jesus is still talking about dogs and the Gentiles being dogs and so on. But I think we just need to get over it. Uh, Some people get hung up on it and hear what Jesus is and isn't saying. Because here's the interesting thing. Um, 
despite how offensive this might sound to our ears, it's noteworthy that unlike most Jews, uh, including Jesus' own disciples, the woman seems to understand the parable. Um, And in fact, you know, she is the only person in the entire Gospels who understands one of Jesus' parables without it being first explained. Even the parable of the sower and the seed is one of those ones where Jesus takes his disciples aside and gives them the meaning, which then gives us the key to understanding parables. He had to explain it then. But this woman um, seems to understand it without it being explained because she's able to then turn it back on Jesus and engage with that parable meaningfully uh, to get the outcome she desires. And she does it from not from a position of offence, but from a position of humility. She calls Jesus Lord. She bows before him. She accepts her place as a Gentile in the order of redemption, but she understands that even the little dogs have a place at their master's table. She is positioning herself as part of the household by accepting this saying. Isn't that interesting? And they may only get the scraps, but I tell you what, my dog's pretty happy with the scraps. Sometimes Andrea will cut off a bit of meat and leave it aside, and I come and take that, and she said, that was for Rusty. (laughs) You're giving him the best pieces. There's enough gospel for everyone, this woman recognises. And so where most Jews, and perhaps most of us, hear a harsh word of exclusion, you can't be part of this, the woman is hearing a parable about inclusion. Maybe in a bit of a backhanded way, but that's how she responds. And here's the thing. Her faith is so great that not only does she believe that Jesus can heal her daughter, she believes in the goodness of Jesus and the goodness of his mission. And so she's included in it. And her faith is so great that she is one of only a few people normally Gentiles who Jesus simply declares that you've received what you've asked for. Go your way. And so she goes home and the demon's gone. Jesus, such is Jesus' authority that he doesn't actually need to do anything. He just sort of declares that it's happened. The next story that Mark is going to relate is of Jesus healing a deaf and mute man so he can hear and speak. Are our ears open to Jesus' teaching? Will we speak words of faith so that we can see miracles happening? Well, what I find interesting in this story is the way Jesus calls his ministry the children's bread. So who are the children and what is this bread? Well, as we saw uh, in Jesus' response, the children are the people of Israel But we've just celebrated Easter and the events around Easter were really a rejection by Israel of their Messiah. And so in Romans 11, uh, and I've got these references in the notes on our website, so you can go there and check them later if you want. In Romans 11, Paul says that because of their rejection, the way was opened for the Gentiles to become part of God's people. Uh, And he uses the illustration of an olive tree where some branches are broken off, that's unbelieving Jews, and some branches are grafted in, that's believing Gentiles. 
It's the same tree that's grown up from the promises of Abraham, but now the tree comprises of all who believe, both Jew and Gentile. And so John 1 uh, verses 11 to 13 says, He, Jesus, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Those who are born are of God, or as Jesus says in John 3, those who are born again are the children of God. Those who believe in Jesus and have been transformed by his spirit. They're the ones who have the right to sit at the master's table and eat the master's bread. So what of the children's bread? What, what does that mean? Well, bread is often a metaphor for the word of God. Um, and when Jesus spoke of the children's bread, he's referring to his whole message, his ministry of the gospel. And so in the gospel, we hear the kingdom of God has come. And this is what it looks like. Uh, sin and sickness and unclean spirits have to leave. As he says in John 10, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance or have it to the full. And, you know, in 2000 years, nothing has changed. That is still the gospel for us. Jesus still offers this bread of life. And 2 Corinthians 3 says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you've been born again, the spirit of the Lord is in you. And if the spirit of the Lord is present, if the spirit of the Lord is present in Bentley Baptist, then what? There is freedom. There is freedom here. Is the Lord present? Is the spirit of the Lord present? Well, the children's bread includes miracles and healing and deliverance as well as the preaching of the word. Um, And this raises a question for us. Maybe it doesn't raise a question for you. It raises a question for me. Because I suspect that most of us believe in these things, but we often find that the expression, this particular expression of the kingdom seems so far away. It doesn't seem as near as it did when Jesus walked the earth. Why is that? You know, because we hear of healings and deliverance and miracles, but very often it's over there, somewhere else. And we worry then when we pray for healing or if someone wants us to pray for healing, what do we do about those times God doesn't heal? What will this do to people's faith? We don't want to other people to be disappointed. We don't want to be disappointed. Maybe we start to wonder... Is this just the way it's meant to be? That was for then and there'll come a time again when it happens or it happens over there, but not here, not in Perth, not in Bentley. Um, Maybe we're just destined to live off the scraps. You know, the life of a little dog's pretty good. And I wonder if part of the problem for us in not seeing these things is that in the West we're we're really self-sufficient, aren't we? I mean... Our prosperity, our technology, we've got great healthcare. Even though our healthcare system is groaning, we've got great healthcare system. And often it means we don't need God. 
we don't need the bread that Jesus offers because we're already full. And that's not actually a criticism. That's sort of just a consequence of living in a prosperous society. But maybe that's part of the reason why Jesus said that the poor are blessed. They're needy. They come to God like this woman, desperate, and they see God move. Again, it's not necessarily our fault, but it is kind of our problem. We've got to live with that, you know, and, and try and move through it. But, you know, the fact is, for all of that, for my doubt and perhaps yours, is that God is still at work, even in Perth. People still receive salvation, and let's never underestimate the power, powerful miracle that salvation is. It's not just someone making a decision about what they believe or to become a Christian. It is God working a miracle and transforming a life. If you're a Christian here today, you're a walking miracle. And we, we, we can take that for granted. People are still getting saved. People are still receiving healing in Perth. Some of you have experienced the power of God in your life through miracles and healings, through reconciliation, through freedom from addiction, maybe through freedom from demons. God is still at work. And here's the thing. If you're a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, God doesn't want you living off the crumbs under his table. We're not the puppy snuffling under the table looking for scraps. We're the children seated at the table, at our father's table. Our father who wants us to be filled with every good thing. When Jesus said, let the children be fed first, the word, the Greek there implies being filled up, being satisfied. It's not just that he came to Israel first. He wanted them to have as much as they wanted before he moved on. As it turns out, some of them wanted a lot. Some of them didn't want very much. But, you know, God is not stingy with his bread. He's not stingy towards you. He's not stingy with his children. So there's more for you and for me in the kingdom of God. So how do we receive this bread? How do we receive this abundant life? Well, the woman received deliverance for her daughter because she believed. She fully submitted herself to Jesus' word. Remember, he really challenges us. I mean, how many people? We could have expected her to be offended and walk away because so many people still take offence at this word today and they walk away. How could Jesus say that? That's terrible. The Bible's a terrible book. I'm not going to believe in this, God. But she submitted herself. She humbled herself. She took the word. She moulded over. Well, but she didn't have time to mull it over. But she turned it around and she received the implications in that by faith and became part of the family of God. So what is the bread that you need today? Do you just need encouragement from the word of God? Do you need healing? Do you need freedom? Do you need reconciliation? I wish I could offer you all that. I can't. I'm only human. But Jesus can. So come to the table by faith. 
And if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I really want to extend an invitation to you too to come and sit at the table as a child of God. Jesus said we must repent, which means to turn away from our own ways and turn towards him, have a change of mind and heart about him and believe, which is to put our faith in him, to put our trust in him, really to give our loyalty to him is all tied up in that. Jesus died for us, as we've been hearing today, so that we can be forgiven for the wrong things that we do, so that we can be reconciled to God, so that we can have new life, this miraculous new life in God. And when we turn from our way of living and thinking and turn to Jesus, we become that miracle. As his power transforms us, we are born again by the power of God and by the spirit of God and become his children. And so I want to invite you today, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not a Christian, to come to the table and eat and be filled.